Hey folks, Brian here. Before we get to the show, just a quick announcement. Uh, we had some major internet troubles this week. I'm going to blame my home internet. Thanks, Verizon. But, you know, I don't really know. Skype can be tricky sometimes. And so we lost a good chunk of this show to uh, to just bad luck and bad internet equipment. So we lost a chunk of the show where we talked about a couple of books, All-Star Batman, Batman Beyond, Batman in the Shadow, Blue Beetle, Detective Comics, and Doom Patrol. Instead of going back and trying to re-record that all on short notice, uh, we're just going to do a quick pull pirate and pulp section here. So I will let you know what we all thought about those books before we get to the show proper. Um, All-Star Batman, all three of us are pirating that book, but leaning towards pulp. This is a good arc, um, but still maybe not quite to what we were hoping the book would be. Uh, Batman Beyond, we're all pulping. We are all pulling Batman the Shadow, the best Batman crossover in some time. Uh, we're all pulping Blue Beetle. We're all pulling Detective Comics, and we're all pulling Doom Patrol. Um, those last two in particular are quite good. Well, actually, as is the uh, Batman in the Shadow. This is a really good week for comics, and I'm sorry we lost part of the show, but all the provocative things we talked about, all the sort of weird uh, opinions, like a book that Vince loved, which is kind of shocking, will all be part of the show still. So I promise we'll do better for next time. Sorry about the difficulties. You get a little bit of a shorter show this week. But um, here is that show, and enjoy Welcome back to the DC Three Cast. I'm Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are going to dig right into the comics this week. No time for news, just time for comics. Although we'll probably go off on tangents, you know, as we're wanting to do. So, first up is Action Comics number 984. And actually, before we get started, this is a spoiler podcast. If you haven't listened, if you haven't read the comics yet, for this week, which is the week of the 26th of July, 2017, pause the podcast. Listen, uh, read the comics and then come back and listen to us chat about them. So, Action Comics 94, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Patrick Zercher. This is the finale of the Revenge arc. We get some Phantom Zone weirdness going on here. We get uh, a return of a classic Superman supporting character and a couple of other little things of, uh, of note. So, boys, what did you think of this issue? Well, this is going to surprise you both but i actually loved this issue <laughs> no you didn't yes i did shut your mouth no no this was uh i believe i alluded loved to this i i alluded to a hot take that i had for next week's no. comics last last week and this is it i loved no. this issue yep anything yes. you ever say against tom king's <laughs> batman again is just invalid <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like. Hey, we're starting to get spicy on this show now. I like it. I don't even like his Batman that much, but <laughs> guys, I like um, this. is the worst. No, there, Man. there, there are a couple things Wait, about. I can, I can almost feel. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I can see again. Okay. <laughs> 
the best part about that is that as he said he can see again, shit is flying from his stomach, nowhere near his eyes. Yeah. You would think like his eyes scales would fall off his eyes, or he'd shoot stuff out of his eyes. Nope, his he just has like a stomach explosion. Okay, I, I will give you. <laughs> okay, defend it, defend it. There are a couple things about it that are weird, and that was definitely one of them. This whole this whole Superman blindness thing. It was really underutilized and essentially meaningless. Very stupid. Like, actually, this issue is good because that shit is over. You know, <laughs> like it. It had. We, we didn't even get any fun, like Han Solo being blind at the beginning of Return of the Jedi stuff. Right. Like, um, blank, blank, where? And then he turns around and like knocks him into a pit or something. You know. Yeah. Just such a useless plot point. I agree. Also, like, the the. Essentially, Zod's defeat was because he basically undermined his own revenge squad. Like, like he's literally punching his own teammates out of the uh, area of battle, which is incredibly stupid for a leader to, to do, you know? Um, but, <laughs> but I really liked... I really liked where this issue left everything. Um... I guess, like, I love that every thread... See, one, one, one problem that I've had with... Uh, one problem that I have with comics lately is... Mo- for the most part, arcs seem to leave things in a very final... There's a finality to everything that everyone does, and I feel like that's because... Even though it's a totally bogus finality? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Like, it's obviously a manufactured finality, because other writers are going to drag these characters back out and reuse them. Um, and I feel like across the board here, Jurgen's set up all these little uh, threads that whether he's writing them or whether somebody else is writing them, there, there's a there's a thread to go on. You know, these characters are not just disappearing uh, and, that's, and that's that. Like, Mongol says that he will have revenge on Zod, right? So... If Mongol's gone and we don't see him for a while, we know what we know what's potentially going to bring him back. You know, um, same with like Ursa and Lorzod being released from the Phantom Zone. Now, like th- them and Zod and the Eradicator are all kind of living living on their own as a team together and plotting their attempts for a new Krypton now, right? And so that's not what the next arc is going to be, as far as I know. But that's an arc that could get picked up later down the road. It's, you know, Zod. They didn't have to kill Zod, or they didn't have to banish him to somewhere for the foreseeable future. You know, uh, Hank Henshaw being left in the Phantom Zone to be returned to another day. You know, these are all things that are not going to directly be addressed, and yet they're really interesting places to leave all these different characters. Um, and then the stuff with Oz, like, I'm pretty sure Oz is one of the next arcs, right? There's a, there's a one-month, like, interlude, and then the Oz stuff, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So then we got a little bit more of a clue as to who Oz is, and, and I think we could talk about that a little bit if you guys want. But um, there were just so many different th- threads that Jurgens went with in this comic. And while I still think he's, like, a corny writer and writes some very old-fashioned style scenes. I, I just... I ended up liking where he left everything. Um, 
and I was really surprised by I felt really satisfied by the end of this issue. And I thought Patrick Zercher's art was really good, as usual. I think he's he's always good. Zach, I want you to talk because I, 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 my opinions fall directly in between oh, yeah, the two of there's yours. There's a surprise. I like <laughs> every time. Um, there's one thing I really liked about this issue, and I bet you guys can guess what it is. That um, it's over? This arc is over? No, no. It's something that actually happened in the issue. Uh, crypto. No, it wasn't Crypto. Oh. That was pretty dope. That was. It was nice. But no, there's, there's one thing. And I felt like you, I really thought you guys would, would pick it up immediately. So oh, I thought it was crypto for sure. Yeah, me too. It's uh, it's the new Krypton stuff, and especially um, Lorzod coming back, aka Christopher Kent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I eat that stuff up. So, but it's it's really it's kind of surprising to me that they brought that character back because you know he played a big part in the whole new Krypton era stuff right before Flashpoint and had kind of like his heroic hero's death. And then that was a character I thought we would never see again. Um, but here he is and there's not necessarily any indication that he's going to end up being like a heroic character because he is like, you know, squarely with the Zods. Um, but I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting character to introduce, and also like a potentially interesting foil for John down the line. You know. So I I liked that stuff. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. What I don't disagree with any of that. My problem is that like as as great as the New Krypton stuff was, it was great partially because it was. Um, it was Jeff Johns and James Robinson doing it. I feel like that stuff, Mitchell's flair for dialogue, is just, it, I, it, it's already insufferable to me, just thinking about it. Like, the, the, the way that he over-explains everything, can you imagine, like, every fourth issue? Character being like, Krypton was our home planet. But now it has been dis- it has been destroyed. But we are given another chance here on Earth, where the yellow sun ex- enhances our our properties. Like it's going to be that every single issue forever. Yeah, my my hope though is that um, kind of like what Vince so. was getting at. This is like planting seeds for things, and this seems like something that's pretty far down the line. Like it. I've, you know, I feel like it'll be a while before any of this gets picked up on again, and so maybe by then it will be in a form or someone else will be doing it. You know, maybe it'll be different. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. 
Um, All right, that brings us to The Flash number 27, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Paul Pelletier and Howard Porter. Uh, We get the conclusion of this um, most recent reverse Flash arc, where uh, Barry and the reverse Flash are fighting in the Flash Museum in the future. And... uh, yeah, there a pretty big thing happens here. This is probably the most spoilery thing we're going to talk about tonight. But um, Iris kills Eobard Thawne in this issue. Now he's a speedster and a time traveler, which means that death is never really a permanent thing. He's also but a comic book died character like, so. like yeah. two months ago. So yeah, yeah, it's true. He he's died more times than uh, I don't know. Insert some joke here. But the uh, Paul McCartney, it's, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ringo. Uh, it seems like it's it's still a pretty decisive move by the the DC writers, or the DC editors rather, and and Josh Williamson in particular, to to break the sort of Barry Iris cycle we've been seeing for a while now. Uh, you know, in the New Fifty Two. They flirted a lot, but they were they were never really a couple. Here they were a full on couple, and now they have broken up partially because of the reason that let's say sixty five percent of comic book characters break up because they were lying about their secret identity, uh, <laughs> among other things. Uh, but what do you guys think of the of the issue overall? I didn't like it for that reason. For which reason? For the for the. Oh, you lied to me about your identity. What else have you been lying to me to? I can't trust you. That stuff. Only because, like, the CW shows have, like, really killed that story beat for me. Um... I don't disagree with that. In this case, Barry knows that reality's been fucked with, and that's a way harder conversation to have than just like, "Yeah, I'm a Flash." So she says, "What else have you lied to me about?" And uh, he was like, uh, "You know, he thinks of 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 older Wally, and is like, well, then he just and you know, that story to her. It's it's a pretty crazy thing to have to go through." Um, but yeah, yeah, Zach, I agree with you. Yeah, well, it's just that, like, last issue, I think it was, or maybe it was an issue before that, um, when Lois found out that he was the Flash, she kind of didn't care. You <laughs> Not know, Lois. She was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Iris, oops. <laughs> um, yeah, when Iris finds out that Barry's the Flash, um, and she didn't care, and I was like, okay, we're going to, like, move past that, like, you know, we're going to make it through unscathed, but we didn't, and so, meh. I did like, I liked the stuff with the reverse flash, the, the like negative flash stuff. I could, I could give or take that. That's, you know, fine. I I have a feeling that's going to be very temporary. Yeah, I do too. Like maybe an arc, but you know, heroes getting evil powers. That's a, that's a pretty common trope too. Yeah. I guess that's like my major issue with this issue is that it was very tropey. Yeah, and I, I think Williamson has done such a nice job so far uh, avoiding those tropes, or at least playing with those tropes in interesting ways, whereas this felt like a very by-the-numbers conclusion to this arc. 
I agree. The art was good, though. And surprisingly, I think I liked Porter's art better than Pelletier's. I think Porter's art is somewhat more in line with what this book has looked like so far. At least, I think so. Um, I haven't noticed. Has it been a common thread for these uh, issues to have song titles as their <laughs> as their titles? I've been paying attention. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. I'll have to go back and look that, at that. That was interesting, though. Vince, what do you think of this issue? Um, yeah, it, everything you guys said, I think I. I don't know. Um, I really like Howard Porter's art. I wish he was like a regular. Uh, I wish he would, you know, he's been bouncing around doing little filler issues here and there, and I, I wish he, he was, is a regular. On what? Scooby Apocalypse. Yeah, man. yeah. I don't think I don't think he is anymore though. <laughs> oh god alright I, I don't have anything else to say <laughs> alright that brings us to Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number 25 uh, written by Robert Venditti illustrated by Ethan Van Skyver this is the first issue of this book in a while that felt like a whole lot happened in it now, part of that said it's an oversized issue and so more there is more space for it to happen but this feels like a lot of change to the Green Lantern side of the DC universe. And um, what do you guys think of it? I thought this was really good. Yeah, I think this might be my favorite issue of this book so far. I think so, too. Um, I think it, it had really satisfying payoff on a lot of the threads that have been going. You know, the stuff with Guy and Kilowog was really good. The stuff with John and his kind of, you know, plan uh, to, you know, the Emerald Impurity. That was like a, that was a really good, that was probably the first time in a Green Lantern book post Jeff Johns that someone took a Johns idea and turned it on its head in a way that I actually thought was kind of clever. I agree. I actually went, oh shit, when I read yeah. that. Yeah, it was really smart. Um so, yeah, I liked this issue. Yeah, I did, too. I, I liked everything about it except for the art. Um, <laughs> yeah, agreed. And it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just what we have to deal with now, I guess. So um, so that's that. But I, I, I liked, like you guys said, how everything kind of got wrapped up. I like where the future of this book appears to be heading. Um, and I like our new Green Lantern already. Our new uh, Zandarian or Zudarian or however you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that yeah. was I think that was a nice little wrinkle. Um, yeah, I like that that, that, that those uh, that group of Sinestro Corps members switched over to Green Lanterns, so we now we have some kind of cool, interesting new Green Lanterns. Yeah, comics I was kind of hoping that Arkello wouldn't come over, but yeah, me too. Um, what were you going to say, Vince? Well, I was just saying comics are wrestling, and that's like uh, they're, they're joining the NWO, but the good one, yeah. the Wolfpack. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm re- I'm, I could have done without Sinestro coming back, old Rick Lee Shervold Sinestro being 
cradled by his young lover. Yeah, who's naked again. Like, I feel like the last time we saw Sinestro, he was naked as well, so... I wonder if that's, like, part of the DC story Bible now. <laughs> like, whenever possible, show Sinestro in the buff. He's, like... But now he's, like, Mr. Burns, and that other... <laughs> the girl is, like, Smithers. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I don't remember paying for battling. Um, all right. That brings us to the Hellblazer. No. I'm sorry, guys. I fell asleep even saying the name of this fucking book. All right. Uh, and that brings us to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Hellblazer. Who cares? Uh, that brings us to Justice League of America, number 11, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Neil Edwards. This is the uh, second part of the King Butcher arc, or third part, possibly, of the King Butcher arc. <laughs> I think it's second. Or second. maybe it's third. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I can never remember. All these arcs kind of blur together in my mind. Um, my we mind. Got a, uh, we, we got a real, like, Z-level DC hero appearance in um, Future Beast. <laughs> Freedom Beast? Freedom Beast. I'm sorry. Freedom Beast. See? It's so <laughs> insignificant. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Freedom Beast. Yeah. Who randomly showed up in the New 52 also. That's an odd character to show up twice in like five years. I don't remember. When was he in the New 52? I want to say he was in an issue of Animal Man, maybe? Maybe. That sounds right. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. What what do you guys think of this issue? Uh, It was fine. (laughs) It was fine, but I'm much more excited about what comes next. I'm I'm yes. really excited about the microverse stuff. Um, I liked the I liked the big profile that Ray got in this issue. That more like, like Bay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. yeah. This I'm more I'm definitely with you. The main event has definitely been the Ray Palmer stuff, and this. I think the reason I've kind of been down on this book a little bit is all the other stuff has felt like filler. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I do like the the Batman Ray relationship. How the Ray is like can't get over the fact that Batman doesn't see the good in people, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a very like young superhero thing to say. Is he's he's just very idealistic, and Batman is obviously not. I like that. I think overall the book has has done a nice job of incorporating lots of little bits of DC mythology along the way, which is just a very Steve Orlando thing to do. You know, he loves that sort of stuff. But to see like um, you know, a lot of references to the Red this week, <coughs> it's just nice to see the the book really feel representative of the larger DC universe and some areas that maybe have gone underappreciated or underutilized lately. Like the red. Yeah. Anything else to add, boys? No. Nope. All right. That brings us to the Commandy Challenge, number seven, uh, written by Marguerite Bennett, illustrated by Dan Jurgens. Of all of the weird pairings we've gotten so far, this is the weirdest one, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And possibly, like, maybe one of the weirder issues we've had so far, too. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, not possibly. <laughs> I think definitely. <laughs> but I, I, I think one of the better ones. In I think regard. so too. It was fun. 
it was fun. When Commandy wakes up and realizes the dogs are playing poker, that was pretty uh that was pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, a lot of like really goofy concepts like that the ice wizard and the parasites and this this troop of of female dog bandits. It's all good. One of my observations for this issue was that this felt to me like what people think Kirby comics are like, <laughs> not what Kirby comics are actually like. Yeah. That's not necessarily a knock on the issue, but just it feels more like stuff that's influenced by Kirby than being Kirby influenced. If that makes sense. No, I totally get what I get you. Yeah. It, and that, yeah, it's like a hyper-realized Kirby. It's like Kirby caricature, sort of. But it was fine. Yeah, exactly. But I, have to, I have to say, when you're not into art in the world, a little Jurgen's art goes a long way. I thought he did a nice job with this issue. Yeah, I think so, too. That brings us to Mother Panic number nine. Written by Jody Hauser, illustrated by John Paul Leon. Um, this is okay. I actually really dug this issue a lot. Yeah, I did too. Um, this book is really, especially with John Paul Leon on art, this book is really uh, doing it for me. See, I think I enjoyed last issue considerably more than I like this issue. I don't know. I'm see. I'm starting to see like. The storytelling of, of Mother Panic is kind of uh, happening sort of in a in a circular fashion towards the center. I feel like I learn I feel like it fills in a little bit more of the overall world in every issue and so while the story's going forward I'm picking up all these bits and pieces that I think would inform the comics that I read earlier. So I'm really gonna enjoy going back going back and checking this one out because um, every time you get a little bit more of her backstory that probably would inform those earlier issues a little more. And, um, and I thought the, the Batman appearance in this one was like perfectly tempered, you know, it was, uh, it was the way that you want to do, uh, you, you don't want Batman interfering in these books very much, you know, but the way that he kind of popped in and out was perfect. I thought. Yeah, I agree. The Batman appearance was great. Yeah, I just thought this was this was like a pretty satisfying issue for the, all the reasons you you listed. You know, we learned a lot more about Violet and her her history, and just kind of like this weird supporting cast of characters that's kind of sprung up. I I I feel like the book has finally kind of hit its groove. You know, just in time for its hiatus in a few months. I know, right. <laughs> That's the problem with any of these young animal books is that I feel like they need they needed more time to develop an audience than a lot of the other books did, except for maybe Doom Patrol. I feel like Doom Patrol kind of came out fully formed, but the rest all need a little bit extra time to find their audience. And now that the audience is there, I hope the uh, – I know we said last week that we don't think a hiatus is going to affect sales that much, but I wonder if it's going to affect momentum. You know? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, do, you have a, do you guys have any thoughts on the backup for this? I, I don't I, it. Yeah, I haven't read it for the past couple issues. It's just okay. too... It's like, A, too 
real and be just kind of like even though it's only three pages it feels like a slog to get through i think this was the best installment of the backup that's why i was bringing it up okay um but yeah all right that brings us to suicide squad number 22 written by, slogs <laughs> written by rob williams uh illustrated by um who was the villain artist this uh, week? Augustine or Augustine Padilla. Augustine Padilla, Padilla yeah. Augustine Padilla. Um, so this issue has Harley Quinn suddenly being a tactical genius in the field. Uh, it also has um, more of the weird Enchantress Killer Croc uh, romance. Um, it has some Amanda Waller bullshit. I forget anything. Wouldn't Captain know. Boomerang's bad again. I don't know. I thought like I thought that the like bad the hardcore spy girl killed Hack. I thought that was like understood. I don't know. This is all like all the double crossing nonsense is just it's out of control. It's like every single arc has a mole who is bad who then <laughs> is not bad later. Yeah. It's true. It's, it. it's terrible fucking terrible book <laughs> where have you gone mr biscuits rob williams maybe 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 mr biscuits was never good i can't believe that <laughs> i know i'm just i'm just kidding i know <laughs> kind of let me down easy i understand um now somewhere somewhere the omega men and Martian Manhunter are chilling and they're they're watching Suicide Squad and Batman happen and they're just like I want no part of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. All right, that brings us to Teen Titans number ten, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by Koi Fam. Um we get a lot of Black Manta and Aqualad here. We get Beast Boy actually having an opinion about something and that is being annoying. We get uh, Starfire showing her natural leadership abilities. I think this is a pretty good issue. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's interesting, and we've kind of talked about this before, like, Jackson as a character has kind of had, like, arrested development since, like, his, his creation. You know, we had the Brightest Day thing, and then... He, it wasn't quite the same character, but basically the same character in Young Justice, the TV show. And each time he kind of got to like the same level of development, and then we get like a, a rebooted version of him again. And so we're kind of like re, like treading, you know, water puns, treading the, the mm. same water here. Um, but it's fine. Everything else was really good in this book. I agree. I really like Starfire getting kind of the the spotlight here. It, it subtly hints at the idea that she's been a Titan for longer than the others, which is not quite bringing back old continuity, but it at least shows that they recognize she's a different generation, that she and Beast Boy and Raven are a different generation than Damien and Wally and... Uh, and uh, Jackson. Yeah. But it also does kind of make it like makes it even weirder that they are listening to and following Damien. Yeah. 
Vince, any thoughts on this issue? Yeah, I love. I still love Teen Titans. It's it's fantastic. Um, it's the youthful Teen Titans book I've always wanted, and all that stuff with Corey is fantastic. Um, uh, I like Beast Boy again, um, which is, you know, I feel like I feel like the heart of Teen Titans is Beast Boy. Like if Beast Boy is being written well, then the book is good. If he's not being written well, then it's not good. And mm-hmm. I think he's being written well. And um, I I think <laughs> I think uh, Black Mana dangling the fact that he doesn't care whether his son is gay or not um, mm-hmm. is an interesting bit <laughs> because um, sad to say that's like the most acceptance that jackson has had so far for that and it's not and it's really not acceptance at all it's that cheap. and it comes in the phrase we're all meat yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolute that, ambivalence right it's that cheap version of acceptance where people are like as long as you don't do it in front of me which it might as well be a slap in the face you know but like to him that's probably the best he's gotten in a while considering what we've seen you know um so that was kind of sad. It's it was bittersweet because like you almost feel like he's gonna go down the rabbit hole with this guy and think like, well maybe this you know maybe I maybe my father's not all bad you know, and it's just gonna you know it's gonna blow up in his face. But um, but I thought that was a, a nice little twist. Um, and uh, yeah yeah, it was a fun book. Agreed. And that brings us to our final book of the night, Wonder Woman number 27, written by Shea Fontana, illustrated by Mirko Andolfo. Um, I'm very interested to hear what you guys thought of this issue. <laughs> I'm a little torn. Um, on the one hand, it's it's no like Greg Rocco Wonder Woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, I think it knows kind of how goofy it is, you know, like I think the doctor injecting herself with Diana's essence or whatever, and then becomes, <laughs> it's your mojo. Yeah. Let's use the proper Austin Powers terminology here. <laughs> I've lost my mojo, baby. Yeah. And then, uh, and then becoming this like hulking version of herself is, it's kind of very like Wonder Woman the movie sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it was it was fun in that I think it embraced kind of like the one-off villain goofiness of it. Um, but I'm not in love with it. It's it's clearly filler. Um, it's, a, it's a moo point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well played. I know what you're saying, Zach. I don't. I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to that, though. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was fine. It was. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, have really dug what Shea Fontana's done on the DC Superhero Girls, and maybe had higher hopes for this arc than we had any business having. You know, I don't. I don't know if Fontana's done much in the world of non-all-ages comics before this. Um, but I thought overall you know, it was okay. 
I, again, it's hard to judge a right a story on just two issues, especially when it's a particularly sort of light couple of issues, you know. Um, but overall, I, I I did enjoy it for the most part. I, I'm a big fan of Andolfo's art, so I, I really liked her art in this. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say about this book. Anything else to add? No. No, I'm uh, I'm kind of looking forward to what comes next, but then again, I'm not. If you know what I'm, if you know what I mean, well, like she has other three issues. No, she I know, I, I know, I know. You um, mean the Robinson stuff, right? Or is that what you're getting at? Or you mean the rest of her run? Yeah, no, I mean like, I mean like, I want the next big run on Wonder Woman to start, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I want <laughs> the James Robinson, Jason stuff. Yeah. To come, I'm, you know what I mean? I think I'm really excited for that. Oh, Probably right. more than I should be. I don't know. You know me. I'm just that John's Mark and Yeah. Um I like Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> yeah. Might, we might duke it out over that one when it comes who knows, maybe, uh, maybe I'll be know. surprised. It, it, it might not be as good as action comics. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> wow, sick, sick burn. I, I think I'm a, I'm allowed to like one issue of action comics. In, You're totally in... allowed, but we have to like we have to focus in on these like small differences, or else we are the echo chamber that Brian alluded to. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. <laughs> action was good. What can I say? Alice, yeah. Alice was right this whole time. Jurgens yeah. is good now. I uh, I thought my like <laughs> I said I thought my hey I liked how Jordan this week was going to be a controversial take and you both were like no yeah how Jordan was good no it was good <laughs> it was so uh, yeah you know and we didn't we didn't talk about it but next arc is a new gods thing yeah that's interesting and next month is all the new gods Kirby Kirby books yeah you're right. Which are yeah, gonna August be a, gonna... Next, next next month's a big month. It's a big month. Metal. Metal, Mr. Miracle. Wow. Well, to keep, to keep up on all of our hot takes outside of the podcast, you can follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I'm at SirFox89. And thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. 